Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here this morning in the Lord's house of worship. If you would stand with us, and we'll start our worship with a song, Glory to God Forever, singing upon God's glory. To God be the glory. That is a good word. We appreciate everyone being here today and appreciate uh, guests that are with us and, and uh, always thankful for all the guests. But we have a special group today, the Campbell Women's Lacrosse Team. 
So Coach Don and all the other coaches as, as well as all of uh, this outstanding team, we are thankful you're here today. And it is an exciting day, I think, for the team as well as for our entire congregation because, and you may have seen it when you walk through, uh, we, we've upped the ante today. There is a delicious uh, catered meal that's available for everyone here. Complimentary meal is for everyone immediately after the service today. So uh, we most certainly thank the Lord for that and all of the people that have been working on that in advance to help make that happen. I do have some other announcements as well. Uh, next uh, Sunday evening, we will have our quarterly business meeting. And uh, it, it will be Im important, as I announced last week, in that we are planning uh, to, uh, to look at plans and, and uh, look at the issue of, of actually the renovation of the back part of the sanctuary, which is greatly needed. And there'll be some other things to, 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 to upgrade uh, what is needed as well. So uh, let's be in prayer about that and be thankful again for what God is doing there, and that will be next Sunday evening. And here's something again to put on the calendar as well. Uh, the exact date hopefully we'll have by next week, but toward the middle to the end of February, and this came out of the men's ministry meeting last week, uh, we're going to have a, a meal that will be sponsored by the men's ministry, and, and this particular focus will be ministering to the widows and the widowers and uh, it will be complimentary for them and an, an act of service and love on behalf of the men's ministry in the congregation and we'll be giving you more details on that also coming up on february the second is the campbell faith and family day at the basketball game and that starts at two o'clock and i'm actually teaching an intensive class all day so i will not be able to participate i actually played in the game last year strangely enough but uh, Patrick is playing this year. And uh, Patrick, again, uh, would, would like numerous people there to watch his athletic, this athletic endeavor he'll be participating in during the halftime. He said amen to that. So uh, by all means, come and participate. And you can sign up by next Sunday. Uh, there should be a sign up in the back, let Patrick know or whatever, because we need to order tickets by next Sunday. The tickets are $7. And they're complimentary for any children and youth, uh, you know, that, that come to the event. But uh, that will be for the February the 2nd game, so please put that down. Uh, a lot of good things happening and going on. And again, uh, we are here to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And at this time, we will worship by taking the offering, continue to worship by taking the offering. And we will ask again our ushers to come forward at this time for our morning offering. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful for this day. It is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we pray now for the offering. We pray you'll take it, multiply it many times over. And Father, we just pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Father, your presence in this service, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.
Again, it's good to see everyone here this morning. Let's take a moment and greet each other in fellowship and welcome our guests today.
know this is a foreign object, but it's a hymn book. Our final song of the worship this, this morning is number 358, verses 1 and 3, Because He Lives. saved us from our sins, Lord, that we may live with you in eternity in glory. We thank you, Lord, for the message that's going to be brought before us today, Lord, and pray, Lord, that we will all take it in our hearts and our lives. And through this week, keep us safe, Lord, and bring us back here together safely next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I want to say thank the Lord for the beautiful music and worship time this morning. To God be the glory. As I mentioned earlier, we're thankful for the Campbell women's lacrosse team being with us today, but we have other guests from Campbell today as well. And I want to say this is, this is sort of our Campbell day this month. And uh, we are delighted for everyone being here. And let me, let me say this. I hope and pray uh, again, if God allows you to uh, stay at Campbell for your academic uh, career in higher education, that uh, the Lord blesses you with, uh, with many friends and, and good relationships that, quite frankly, will stand the test of time that uh, you will have those meaningful relationships even several years down the road. A couple people asked me this morning, they said they didn't see me at the Campbell women's basketball game yesterday. And because uh, those of us who have season tickets, we sort of learn where other season ticket holders in the church uh, sit for most of the game, games. And, and I said, no, I was not at that game yesterday afternoon, but uh, I was at a funeral yesterday afternoon. Uh, which actually started at 2 o'clock as well. And that was one of my law professors. And of course, I was in law school at Campbell here in the 1980s and graduated from law school in the 1980s. And uh, J. Stanley McQuaid, uh, his funeral was actually yesterday afternoon. And uh, he was 89 years of age. And here's the interesting thing. I told Betty about this. I said, guess how long he actually talked? At, at the law school, of course, the law school was we know relocated. Uh, it was I was we were down in Bowie's Creek when I was in law school, but it actually relocated to, of course, downtown Raleigh. So she, I had her guessing how old he was when he retired, and uh, she thought she gave me a high age, but no, it wasn't. He actually taught at the law school until he was 85 years old, and he retired. He, he passed at 89. He retired at 85. Uh, he had a brilliant mind, but one thing that we held in common, and the uh, reason why it was very special for me to attend his funeral, it was when I was in law school that I experienced God's call to what I call vocational ministry, to the preaching and teaching ministry. And uh, during the time I was, I was here at Bowie's Creek, and uh, on a personal testimony, let me tell you this, that occurred about halfway through my academic time at Campbell. You know, law school was three years. And I just did not want to finish law school. But I sought counsel, godly counsel, from a number of people, and everyone told me, of course, when you're young, you know, a year, a year and a half is a long time. When you get older, you know how quickly things pass. But, but everyone advised me, stay in law school and graduate. So uh, I was not always academically the happy camper, I think, my last year and a half, but I am thankful that I did follow that advice and went ahead and graduated and then took a bar exam, of course, a few years after that, and I paid my dues to the Pennsylvania uh, courts and, and the Commonwealth uh, every year, strangely enough, uh, for that. But uh, the thing that Dr. McQuaid and I held in common, he was an ordained Methodist minister for over 50 years. So he was just someone I could, I, could, uh, I could talk to and somewhat relate to because he was an ordained minister actually on the law faculty. So uh, even though it was a sad occurrence yesterday afternoon for me, uh, I am thankful again for his life and those he influenced. And, and all of us have the opportunity to influence someone, right? Amen? Amen. 
We will be back, the good Lord willing, next week in 1 Corinthians. But, but as I prayed about what to share today, I believe the Lord clearly uh, gave me the text of Scripture that, that we are to look at. And it, it deals with the concept of the shepherd and shepherds. And shepherd and shepherds are significant in Scripture. You know, you see examples and occurrences both, of course, in the Old and the New Testaments. Uh, generally speaking, of course, as a shepherd is someone who takes care of sheep, generally speaking. And shepherds, again, demonstrate love and devotion and, and really care for, protect, and provide for the sheep. And many times a shepherd will be called on in the line of duty and responsibility to lay down his life for the sheep. In fact, in John chapter 10, and that's not the text we're preaching from, but in John chapter 10 and verse 11, Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So Jesus himself, God in human flesh, when he, when he walked on this earth some 2,000 years ago, indicates, I am. And that's one of the famous I am statements in Scripture. I am the good shepherd. And yes, he did lay down his life for his sheep, and we're thankful for that today. In fact, in that same passage in, in John 10, Jesus would go on to say that he was the door of the sheep, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Aren't you thankful today for the good shepherd, Jesus Christ? Our high priest, but also our good shepherd. The book of Psalms is something that has had meaning for me for many, many years, and I know for some of you here as well. There's approximately 150 Psalms that are contained in, in what we call the book of Psalms. And I believe in all likelihood the most famous of all those psalms will deal with God as shepherd. And that is none other than Psalm 23. So let's take the opportunity this morning just to break down and, and pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit just to open up our minds and our hearts for what God has to say in Psalm 23. So uh, if you have your Bible, you just sort of turn to the middle, you know, and, and the book of Psalms is there, and you'll quickly find Psalm 23. Psalm 23 begins like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. For he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters, he restores my soul. <laughs> he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless his inerrance and his infallible word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is referring to the Lord God Almighty, referring to Yahweh. 
referring to the God who is the creator of this universe and everything that has ever existed. God is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. The psalmist is declaring this. And remember, this was written by King David. And, and earlier in King David's life, as he was growing up, one of his responsibilities happened to be to help take care of the sheep. And he evidently got very good at it. He could protect the sheep. And God, God used that to, to, to help develop and mold character and, I believe, bring humility in David's life as he was learning that job responsibility of being a shepherd as he was growing up. But here he declares, not that God is far away, but he says this, God, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. His personal shepherd. Well, let me say, I can declare here today that God is my shepherd as well. He's my shepherd. Let me ask you and pose the rhetorical question this morning. Is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, the concept of the shepherd, there, there are many adjectives and many words we could use to describe, you know, throughout Scripture. What, what, what a shepherd did and what it means when the Scripture refers to someone being a shepherd. In fact, even the role of pastor today. We, we could go, if we had time, to, to like uh, 1 Peter 5. We could go to other passages as well. And, and we would see one of the main responsibilities of the pastors and elders in local churches is to actually shepherd the flock. Because the admonition is given by, by God, shepherd the flock among you. Again, not by compulsion. Do not lord it over them, but, but shepherd them. And remember this. Anytime we think of, of an earthly shepherd in the sense of a pastor or an elder or a leader in a church, uh, the same is true again as we think of the Almighty God. Let me tell you this. A shepherd needs to have the best interest of the sheep in mind. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but let me just let you know that there are probably smarter animals on the face of the earth than sheep. Sheep sometimes can have a mind of their own. Have you ever met anyone that has a mind of their own, wants to do their own thing? Sheep, sheep are sometimes like that. Now, now we talk about herding sheep, right? We, we herd sheep, and, and uh, my wife... Uh, Remember her, she, we lost our beloved animal a couple weeks ago that we had had for over 12 years. And uh, again, I grew up with, with dogs, but uh, she's a cat lover. But, but uh, Betty could do something with our cat Elvis that I have seen few other people do. She taught, again, Elvis the cat how to literally get out in the yard and march around. And that cat would do what she would tell that cat to do without any lease on the cat or anything else, lease on the cat, you know, and that cat would obey, and that cat would do exactly what it's time to go in, that cat would go in the house. So, so uh, you know, the cat was well-developed. Let me tell you this, it would be a little bit harder to, to take a sheep like that and to tell that sheep what to do. The sheep would need a little bit more guidance, a little bit more correction, and everything else involved there than a cat or a dog. The Scripture says this about us as individuals. 
all we like sheep have gone astray. In other words, all of us as human beings have gone astray. We sort of again want to do our own thing, don't we? We want to have it our way. We want it to be our agenda. But I'm thankful for the good shepherd, the great shepherd Jesus Christ that did provide us the better way that we'll continue to talk about today. So the role of the shepherd is to provide guidance, protection, abundance, to lead the sheep. That's what the shepherd does. Always with the best interest of the sheep in mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now what does that mean? I mean... Most of us want something all the time, don't we? Let's be honest. Maybe you're this week or the past week, maybe there hasn't been much that you've wanted, but over the course of time, we tend to want certain things. It's not talking about wanting a thing per se, but what, what the Scripture is dealing with in this particular verse is this. In our relationship with God, we will find true fulfillment. In our relationship with God, we will find true meaning for life. Yes, there will be difficulties, there will be trials, there will be struggles. But in the midst of those struggles, God is our shepherd. And we will want for nothing in Him. I'm an incomplete person. Since we're using marriage analogies, I'll use another one. Betty, she's, you know, maybe farther along than me, but she's an incomplete person too. Now, what happens when you marry two incomplete persons? Well, that, that sort of means, you know, there's, there's opportunities at times to have some challenges, right? Yes. Anyone that's ever been married knows that. There are challenges there. There, there are difficulties there. Why? Because we're sinful people. We're sinful people. But you know... How we're complete is because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. When we come together in marriage again as, as Christians, as believers, we come together because of who we are in Christ, clothed in His righteousness. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Jesus would declare as well in John, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That's the abundant life that is there in Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. For he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That, that's a beautiful picture. I, you know, you know the, the sky was blue when I got here around 9 or something this morning. Blue and beautiful, and now the, the front is moving in a little bit cloudy and maybe a little dreary outside, so I've given you all reason to look out the windows now. But, but anyway, that's not the kind of illustration, you know, the preaching professors will tell you to use. But nonetheless, that, you know, think about that. Growing up when I was a kid, and you probably did this too, I've had some backyards, quite frankly, uh, growing up where there was a lot of green grass. 
And I remember sometimes as a kid laying down in that backyard on that green grass and just sort of seeing the sky move and as a youngster just dreaming about life. I didn't know a lot of things that were good or bad that I've come to know now. What fun that was just to look up and dream, see the beautiful sky, see God's creation. The scripture says here, God's word indicates he makes me to lie down in green pastures. What it means, he brings cool and refreshing rest. Some of you look forward to something on Sunday. And that's a Sunday afternoon nap. Now later today, you've got to compete with the playoffs for that, that nap, stuff like that. We realize that. There's competition with your nap today. But nonetheless, uh, time of refreshing. God can bring to your heart and to your mind times of refreshing. There's a certain person that will remain unnamed, but I regularly pray for this person that God will give them rest. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about eight hours of sleep, okay? Although rest is, I mean, sleep is important as well, however long you sleep. What I'm praying for that person is this, that in the midst of the stress that they seemingly live constantly under, that God will be intervening in their heart and their mind. In the midst of that struggle, God will be bringing them rest. Rest, rest. There's an old hymn that talks about leaning on the everlasting arms of God, figuratively speaking. Let me tell you this, we can rest in him. He's our shepherd. He wants us to rest in him. He wants us to find times of refreshment in our relationship with him. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The still waters here again also mean peace, serenity, tranquility still waters all of us have seen you know particularly with the hurricanes and the flooding we've seen raging waters haven't we, we we've seen we've seen the flooding and the devastation that's occurred we're not talking about that here we're talking about still waters water that is not stagnant but water that is pure water that attracts you to it still waters in fact, there's something else. Let me say the word still is significant. You might say, what's significant about the word still? It is this. The scripture would also declare, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. There's times that we just need to what? Get before God. Quietness, stillness. And allow God just to speak to our minds and hearts. Let me tell you this. God always speaks consistently with his word. The old saying goes, God never speaks with forked tongue. Consistently with his word. The still waters. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. The word, the word soul there it means our spiritual being, but it also means our life. He brings restoration to our life. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness. The Word of God, and God will never lead you astray. God will always lead you on the right path if you'll follow Him. He'll do that. He leads us. All of us need a leader like God. We need to be followers of Him. And in His Word, He's given us guidance of how we can come in relationship with Him. And after we, after we have that personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, how we can grow in that relationship on a daily basis. It brings restoration to our soul. He leads us again in the path of righteousness, of truth. And let me say this. Life isn't easy even for those of us who are Christians. We know. We, we go through trials and temptations and difficulties. But in the midst of that, God refines us and He leads us in those paths of righteousness for His name's sake because of the character and the nature of God of who He is. And then there's a transition in the song. The transition picks up in verse 4 and says this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does that mean? Does it mean literal death? It can. But also it means threatening circumstances and situations as well. Things we look and see and say, wow, I don't know how I ever got into that. I don't know how I'm going to ever get out. There's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that overshadows you. And even though we walk through those kinds of things, the psalm goes on and states this, I will fear no evil. There's a great New Testament verse that says this, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. God's perfect love casts it out. Now, now, do I worry about the future in the flesh sometimes, what's going to happen to me in the future, or the wife or the kids and family and friends? Yes, I do sometimes in the flesh do that. But I know in Christ, I don't have to fear. I know in my relationship with God, I don't have to fear. I will fear no evil. In other words, I don't have to fear those, those bad things happening. I will fear no evil because the Scripture goes on and says this, for you are with me. God has promised He would never leave us or forsake us. He's with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now that's actually speaking of what a shepherd had. See, because this, for the shepherd, that was the club and the crook. It, it provided, again, protection as well as direction. Protection as well as direction. We need that in our relationship with God. He provides protection. He provides direction for us as well. Look at the next verse, how powerful it is. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You might say, I don't want to be at a table with my enemies. Let me say this. There are times in life we're going to be around people, quite frankly, that do not have our best interest in mind. Have you ever been there? All of us will say yes. We have been in those places where, again, there are people around us that do not have our best interest in mind. God is saying even in the midst of that he's victorious 
In the midst of that, he can provide deliverance. In the midst of that, he will provide comfort, protection, and direction. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Anointing your head with oil. That's something in our society and culture, you know, we don't think much about. Well, let me tell you this. In Scripture, during David's time, it was very, very important. It was a symbol. Anointing the head with oil was a symbol, again, of the abundance of God, in a sense. But a symbol as well of blessing. A symbol of not only blessing, but gladness. The anointing of the head with oil. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, again, the abundance, runs over Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the midst of the difficulties, again, that David faced in his life, some of the difficulties were by his own choosing decisions he made that were not godly decisions. But even in that, goodness and the mercy of God followed David. And King David today, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, is with the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, forever and forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As you know, and I alluded to this in the announcements last week, Betty and I now officially in the last week have relocated in the greater Bowie's Creek, Lillington area. The move in one sense is complete all within a week. And so Betty and I have lived probably in more earthly homes than we want to count. She does have the number. Please don't ask her. There will be a day when we will relocate. I know because of her relationship with the Lord and my relationship with the Lord, we will relocate, and this is going to be a home we're never going to leave. And that home is with God forever and forever and forever. We have temporary addresses down here. We have an earthly home. Dr. J. Stanley McQuaid's funeral yesterday, part of these verses were mentioned. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you will be also. I already have my reservation. Have you made yours? You might say, Pastor, how do you make your reservation? It's very simple. In fact, it doesn't cost you anything because it costs Jesus everything. You can't work for it. You'll never get good enough. But some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ lived on this earth, lived a perfect, sinless life. He went to the cross, and on that cross, his blood was shed for your sins and for my sins, 
as the sacrifice for our sins. He was placed in that tomb, but the good news is this. On the third day, he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And God's word says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. We'll sing a song. My challenge for you this morning is this. If you do not know God through Jesus Christ in a personal way, you can ask Him to forgive your sins, come into your heart and life to be your Lord and Savior. Turn to Him, and He will accept you because of what He's already done for you on that cross. Come to Jesus today. Give Him your heart, give Him your life today. Many of us will be praying for other people we know that need the Lord. Many of us today need to be thanking God today that He is our shepherd we shall not want. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for this time of invitation. appreciate everyone being here today. The Lord is good, isn't he? Before I pray, and it will be a prayer blessing the food as well, I need to give directions. This is a little bit different in how we line up today, okay? At, at the front of the line going through, and there will be several people that will be quickly setting up tables here, 
But at the front of the line, we'll be, uh, we have some folks uh, be hosting tables today. And uh, we'll go let host and hostesses uh, go up to the front, of the, the front of the line, followed by the Campbell Women's Lacrosse Team, and then followed by all of our other guests from Campbell as well. And they will go. And then the rest of us will eventually fall in behind them, but we'll, we'll have ample time. Let me tell you this, there is a delicious meal that's complimentary that we don't want to have wasted. Please stay and eat this meal if you're here today. Amen? Please, it's for you today, okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful again for all the hands that have helped prepare the meal, helped set it up, those that will clean up, we're thankful for it. Father, take this and our time together in the fellowship, and may you be honored and glorified, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen.